0: Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Thank you as well if you're joining us live on Facebook. Of course, this podcast, if you listen to it at any convenient time for you, is also available on our Facebook page, Man United MEN. So if you want to check it out and see myself and Samuel in action as well, who knows if you want to. And uh, of course, if you're watching live, please do it. Leave your comments as well. We will maybe try and answer a couple of them, but could be a bit pushed for time because there's a lot on the agenda today. Samuel, we recorded a special podcast on Monday looking at the the announcement of the European Super League. Two days later, we're we'll talking about the collapse of it. And I guess the first question I've got for you is, how did it all end so quickly?
1: Well, just um, it's, it's just power to the people, really. Uh the, the fan backlash worldwide has been so. Just so vehement, and probably for the first time in a generation, it's we were all saying, you know, credit to Chelsea supporters, Chelsea supporters over the last decade. Whenever you've seen the words Chelsea supporters, Chelsea fans in the headline, it's almost always been for the wrong reasons. Be it booing Rio Ferdinand because his brother was racially abused, or pushing a black man off off a train in in Paris, or the the abuse of Raheem Sterling a couple of years ago. But there. Um, they're mobilising just outside Stamford Bridge yesterday, preventing the bus from from getting into into the ground, uh, so they could kick off on time. Was proof that you know presence always trumps a hashtag. I think there are a lot of people out there that think that hashtags work, but it, you know, hashtags they can be brushed off. You, they're not going to do any harm. But clearly, and that, and that was just after two games, really. I mean, you had the Leeds fans, and Leeds weren't one of the. The, the clubs that were going to join the super league but Leeds fans made their feelings known Leeds as a football club made their feelings known the other 14 premier league clubs did with individual statements and collective statement through the premier league and i mean it is remarkable that it's you know the house of cards fell as as quickly as they did that this saga has been you know it's consisted really of just 48 hours worth of of news it's it's remarkable how condensed it's been it feels like a, a, you know a whole summer's worth of of stories but it's it's just unravelled so so quickly and just just going off what ed woodward privately feels he he accepts that he underestimated the backlash he he is privately contrite about it uh i don't think many united fans will care about that he is he's nuked those bridges between himself and manchester united supporters and that relationship is i mean it's it's pretty much over anyway he's he's leaving Probably in the summer, rather than at the end of 2021, as executive vice chairman, and it's just, it's just power to the people, really. It's, it is, it does restore your faith in in football and football supporters that something like this can happen because the way Florentino Perez was speaking on El Chiringuito on on Monday night, where he was absolutely adamant this was going to happen, you really did fear the worst. You feared as though they'd gone so far down the road that there was no turning back. It just goes to show that you can be as far down the road as possible. But if if the descent is that overwhelming, that that you can turn back. And it was just I mean, it was amazing how the clubs just felt like dominoes last night, all six Premier League clubs. And you've had John W. Henry issuing a hostage style video today, express, expressing his sorrow for it. I don't think he'll be underestimating Liverpool fans again. Or the city of Liverpool. Uh, you know, if, if you're messing, if you're going to mess with a, a particular city, Liverpool is probably the last one to do so. That they're about as militant as it gets over matters like this. But John W. Henry, however contrite he is, he is not going to be remembered for being the owner when Liverpool won their sixth European Cup or ended their 30-year championship um, drought. He's going to be remembered as a man who betrayed the ethos of. Their club of their city um, of, of Bill Shankly's ethos as well, and it's just pretty reassuring that you know there's there's been this collective effort to all but overthrow these these charlatans and these these greedy owners, and it's some going when someone like Gary Neville can unite. Scousers, Yorkshiremen, Yorkshire women, um, United fans, City fans and and other football fans up and down the country to try and stop this. And we've I think it has been a collective effort, football figures, football fans, media, uh, government officials. Everyone who has any significant title really has thrown their weight behind Behind this campaign, if you can even call it a campaign, it didn't need a campaign really in the end to to stop this breakaway league from happening.
0: Even just to unite the United fan base is quite an achievement, isn't it? But it's been that unity for the not just the UK or the English footballing supporters. It's been all across the world, and that unity, like you said, not just on the football pitch, but from politicians, from fans of other clubs, from fans of clubs who aren't even affected by it and might not ever truly be affected by it. Right down at the bottom of the pyramid. But, Samuel, the portrayal of the fans and you know what we've seen over the last few days, they haven't been footballing decisions, they've been business decisions, ruthless, and they've not had any correlation with what actually happens on the pitch or the thoughts and feelings of those who turn up and have done for many years and are loyal to their teams. What have you made of United's own role in the proposal of the ESL and its eventual collapse?
1: Well, it's, it's just uh, the most remarkable U-turn. Um, anyone you spoke to uh, at the club about it on Monday. They were extremely positive about it. They wouldn't have a bad word to say about it. They would hear our points and our points were all negative because uh, as as reporters, although you have a duty to be objective with something like this, it's 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 almost impossible. I think even the most mild-mannered of reporters were up in arms about it and were, you know, kind of lobbying grenades at United really to see what what they would do in return. And to go from being, you know, I mean, it's it's a bit like Kent Brockman that time when he says, "And I for one welcome our new overlords." It goes from that to the the, the very you know opposite of it, just just pretty extraordinary, really. Uh, you know, I think that for the United Director of Communications, as far as bad weeks for a DOC go, this is probably the worst since Alistair Campbell and and the dodgy dossier. It it could it's just been such a fraught time. Um, but looking at the statement last night. I think it was only three sentences. It was very, very sheepish. And the fact that they said, you know, we've listened to the reaction of fans, if they'd actually communicated with fans, they would never have had a reaction. They would have known immediately that fans would not be in favour of this because of all the reasons you can think of. It's not even worth my time or your time or the people's watching or listening to this time to just reel through them all. But the crux of it was that in terms of the the Premier League, if you, I mean the the Big Six, I hate that phrase anyway, and we're going to have to stop using it. But their um, one of their reasons for starting the Super League was the solidarity payments, and they would you know finance, they would protect the pyramid, etc. But as you know, the the sports news correspondents like Rob Harris, Tarek Pandja and, and Martin Ziegler pointed out. The Premier League TV rights without those big six, uh, those six clubs, would have been not even worth fifty percent what they are at the moment. So the clubs would have been poorer off without them, and that's those solidarity payments would not have been sufficient compensation as well for a league. Its integrity would have been completely uh, compromised. So it was just a non-starter really from the outset. And some of the comments from Perez, uh, you really despaired at um, the, the thing about 16 to 24-year-olds not being interested in football. I've not seen any proof of that whatsoever. You, you go to the, you look at parks um, and the amount of kids who clearly fall within that age bracket who who play football. It's It's beyond belief to think that there aren't million hundreds of thousands millions in this country alone that watch football around the world how many millions aged between 16 and 24 must watch football and really rather than just trying to enrich themselves what they should have done was thought well let's subsidize tickets for 16 to 24 year olds so it's affordable for them to go to matches that's that's the right thing to do that's that's the easy that's the panacea for it but they wanted to line their pockets and all this nonsense about we're doing this for the good of football nobody was um swallowing that nobody whatsoever everybody saw it for what it was it was just a greedy cabal trying to get as rich as they possibly could and it said it all that the only i mean in fact i think there were two people who actually thought it was a good idea tim shipman of the sunday times who pretty much said that he was a glory hunter who supported about a dozen cricket and uh, football clubs and charlie Stilitano, who's um who's pretty much, you know, been, uh, who was the brainchild of the ICC, the International Champions Cup, the pre-season tour where, you know, Europe's biggest and best clubs travel to all corners of the globe to take on each other in these, you know, rather tepid friendlies that don't particularly arouse much excitement. And speaking to a United fan who lived in Zona, he'd been to one of the games on the 2017 tour in LA and obviously United were back in LA the next year but he he didn't go he didn't want to go because he said one they're, they're back here again um and two that the ticket prices are ridiculous it was like $100 for a friendly so even fans many fans abroad are uh, are wise to the acts and that's that's the important thing to remember that although the fans who mobilize in in Manchester and and London or Liverpool or wherever are obviously likely to be British citizens or or live in Britain. There are millions of fans speaking from a United perspective, there are millions of United fans around the world who were absolutely against this, this super league, this breakaway league. And you know, they've, they've got a voice, they've expressed their opinions as well, which is is the, the good thing about social media, but when you see Petr Cech having to come out, you know and pretty and try and uh, you know stop a riot from happening. Really, you know things are really going south for your uh, for your plans to break away. And you know, credit to Chelsea fans, it's, it's probably the only time I'll ever say that in my life. But what they did certainly made a difference last night.
0: Yeah, we'll have to get that credit to Chelsea fans, Clipper. Uh... Going kind of viral, won't we? From from here, there. But uh, you know, like you said, talk about misreading a room. It's been absolutely astonishing just how clueless and sort of shameless it's been and the way it's been handled and yeah talk about the 16 to 24 year olds who aren't interested in football is just completely redundant because most of the so much of the backlash on social media was from people who fit that age bracket myself going to watch non-league football the amount of fans i've seen over the last sort of three four years is because it's accessible like you said samuel if you make football accessible fans will be there the fact is that even for the meaningless carabao cup games or some of those european group stage games which i know the clubs say they don't want to play but make it affordable for fans to actually get to the stadium. And that's how you get them hooked. It's by making it a reality, not by having football simply as a TV show, which is what they're trying to do and what the European Super League would have done. And I guess one of the 16 to 24-year-olds was Marcus Rashford, and he is one of the few United players who did post on social media. How big an impact, Samuel, do you think that sort of player power played in the end? Because no players wanted it. They weren't even consulted on it and those messages we saw from Luke Shaw we saw from Rashford and one from Bruno Fernandes sharing posts as well on social media how big an impact do you think that played
1: i certainly don't think it was as big as the supporters impact i mean you know rashford's post was an interesting one in that it seemed to denounce it but it was it was slightly ambiguous it could have just been a tweet it was pretty clear what it was what the intention was with with just uploading that banner it wasn't as strong as it could have been and soon after he was promoting i think a book or um something like that so it was almost as if he posted it to get it out of the way and then he could plug some kind of commercial venture or charitable uh thing that he was that he was doing which he's completely entitled to he what he did was nowhere near as impactful as strong as what luke shaw uh, said with his statement that was crystal clear even with what bruno fernandez said i mean that was Clearly, a denouncement of the Super League as he championed the the Champions League as well. And James Milner couldn't have been more forthright when he was on was on the television with Rashford. It, it is different because of what he's done over the last year with the, the free school meals, with taking on the government. Uh, he's been extremely well advised. I think it's pretty obvious that he doesn't do these tweets. Obviously, it's under his account, but he's you know he's he's got an army of advisors really. Um, who are, who are overseeing this and are doing a you know, pretty exemplary job of that as well. And he has got that social conscience. And there are many other footballers who've got a social conscience. You see what Andy Robertson has done, um, the Liverpool left-back, uh, his job with with food banks and his commitment to them. Juan Mata uh, with his common goal ventures. You know, H- Harry Maguire didn't say anything publicly until after United Statement last night, but it's believed to have you know kind of acted on behalf of the players in voicing his disapproval um, in private. Uh, you know, I, I very much doubt Harry Maguire said, look, I'm going to source a picture of the United fans on the scaffolding during the 2013 title parade and I'll use that to sh- you know, show support. Harry Maguire said that he doesn't go on social media and he doesn't read what's said on social media. So it will be someone who will have done that on his behalf, on his account. I know that you know. I don't mean to put a dampener on things, but that's just the way it works with a lot of the footballers. But the the message still works, and it's still appreciated by um, many, many fans uh, who will see that and who will probably think that Harry Maguire actually posted it. But again, it goes back to it. I think this is this is a people led. This was a people led movement, Um, and and unfortunately, some players did offer their voices to to back it to uh, completely denounce. Their clubs and tensions, and it, it was always going to be more impactful if a player from one of the six Premier League breakaway clubs broke ranks, and a number of those players did in the end. I think on Monday, the the, the really the standout names were under Herrera, obviously plays for PSG, and PSG weren't involved with the Super League, and um, Fernandez had that Instagram story, and I think Meza Ertz also. It, it still needed a, a more explicit condemnation to come out unfortunately that happened yesterday and then come you know not it wasn't even late yesterday evening when City and Chelsea withdrew and then at 5 to 11 you've got Arsenal apologising to their supporters and United issuing that sheepish uh, statement and then Tottenham you know are the next domino to go down and Liverpool go down as well so just all in all a very very hectic 48 hours or so but Fortunately, we're a lot happier than we were on Monday, and this ordeal appears to be over.
0: Yeah, exactly, and particularly you know, if you're not listening to that Manchester Red podcast from Monday, you know I was very pessimistic. I, I really didn't envisage this situation, and particularly not coming around as soon as it has. But as soon as that stack of cards sort of began to fall, you know they all crumbled from from beneath. And I like said, Sam, I guess one of the things we need now is a, a sincere and meaningful apology from United. Whether you know you're gonna be questioning it anyway and wondering why you're apologising it's at least the next step which needs to be taken but you spoke about the chaotic 48 hours and the European Super League wasn't the only thing because just as we were trying to deal with that we also had the news that Edward would exit from United would be accelerated you've reported as well today Samuel that you know it was already going to sort of be pre-planned that Edward would, would leave United this year but amid the European Super League talks collapsing it's been accelerated and you wrote as well today that not even at the end of 2021 but he could leave manchester united this summer
1: yeah that's that's the expectation and the plan i think they probably put at the end of the year just to try and soften the the statement um so that it's not as it doesn't feel as imminent but it ultimately his his working days at united are are numbered and then um beyond, you know, they're certainly not going to extend into the start of next season is is what I'm led to believe. Uh, Journalistically, the the annoying aspect is that I was was told in early November that Woodward was looking to step down. At the end of the season, it wasn't something I really, um, you know, I, I tried to, I did some digging, but I didn't, because so much always happens with united you uh, you kind of get sidetracked and certainly when we were informed that there was going to be some kind of an announcement last month i thought well it's either woodward going or it's the director of football and it turned out to be the latter and that was yeah that, that was nowhere near as explosive as yesterday's news that that woodward was going i suspect united thought that because alexander seferin the uefa president had gone in so hard on woodward and that it was I mean if I was hearing about Woodward um stepping down at the end of the season then a lot of other people would have as well that it was always likely that somebody was going to leak that he was going to go um that turned out to be the case leaked online last night and then you know, very quickly many others of us, many others of us stood it up and it, you know we we all had the story out before United actually released the official statement their share price has fallen since the announcement that Woodward is to... It wasn't really a surprise when I heard that to the announcement of it is linked to the Super League because Woodward privately has said he, he admits it was a mistake to back it. They've been told also that he wasn't necessarily in favour of the Super League, but had to do the bidding of Joel Glazer because Joel Glazer is his paymaster. But he's... the you know, from from Woodward's end, there's not been anything to suggest that he was against it. That's just something else that's uh in the background. So it, it brings to an end, you know, eight years of largely failure really. And and he is the common denominator in the, the fall of Manchester United, if you like, in that he I suppose in some ways he was unfortunate to, to take over from David Gill in that seismic summer of twenty thirteen and I think Sir Alex Ferguson said in his book that when Gill informed him that he was going, he had to come clean and said that he intended to go in the summer. So the timing was not ideal when both the chief executive and the manager are going in the same summer. And it's especially not ideal. It was just not worthy of the role whatsoever. And Wood was unfortunate in that he replaced Gill. And let's face it, David Gill was was a very unpopular chief executive he was a turncoat he vowed to be in the trenches with supporters fighting against the Glazers takeover then he got into bed with the Glazers he wasn't very communicative with supporters he had a couple of run-ins with supporters one on a European trip in in Lille another at I think it was the University of Birmingham when he was confronted um, over the green and gold protest Woodward was a far more communicative de facto chief executive and he was on fans forums he did I thought a very Commendable job during the pandemic last year in terms of keeping supporters abreast of things and United's conduct during that first lockdown was exemplary. It was was so laudable, but even that fan engagement has been marred by um, his no-show on the fans forum last on, on Friday, and of course that came two days before the Super League announcement, and there was no mention of the Super League on the fans forum and. You know, when i asked on united why that that was the case that the answer was well nobody asked about it just just mind-boggling really just just an absolute pr disaster class from from all involved and i think they pretty much accept that as, as well so it, i don't think woodward Wood will be missed as such um it seems like he's even overestimated how much United have spent in transfer fees on his watch as well. I think he said they've spent like a billion pounds. I think it's something like sixty million shy, if if we're being pedantic. But when you look at the various issues and the various incidents that have involved him over an eight-year period, it's been a pretty ignominious one. And as I said in you know in my obit, if you like, this morning, uh, the fact that he was coating up to. Perez in Miami um, during the 2018 tour when Mourinho was kicking off left, right, and centre about a lack of transfer activity and was absolutely insistent on signing a centre back. Um, Woodward was betraying United fans before this Super League venture. He was not putting the football club and um, the ambition of the football club at the forefront of his thinking. It, it, it was other matters that were occupying his time, and Mourinho felt that Woodward. Was unreachable during that preseason tour as well. He only attended the one game, and that was in Miami, which was the last leg of the tour. And I think everybody's, or well, most people, have probably seen the clip in the um, in the mix zone where Woodward's trying to catch up to Mourinho know, and, and say something to him that lasts about five seconds.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's one of those moments that, that I think most fans will remember. And I guess ultimately that comes down to it, wasn't it? I mean, if you want to be devil's advocate from a club point of view, Woodward did help them on the commercial side. But it's a footballing club. It's not a, not necessarily just a business. And those things and those feelings, those needs have been neglected. I know United fans now are probably dreaming of someone like Edwin van der Sar taking over instead. But you know, the last three Appointments in that position have all been internal. Peter Kenyon, David Gill, and Ed Woodward. So dreaming of someone who maybe has that, you know, hashtag United DNA might be a bit far-fetched at this moment in time. And, you know, history indicates that it probably would be another internal appointment, which would be on the horizon when United do look to replace Ed Woodward. And, of course, they've already had that that reshuffle as well that that Samuel mentioned before, the technical director, and, of course, with Dan Fletcher's new role as well. So, you know, I guess as Edward Ed would maybe solved. But in terms of what we've seen in the last few days, Samuel, we've seen this the powers of the people, as you put it, and the fact that fans can make a visible difference and a visible change. But especially if you read these comments as well that are coming in on, on Facebook now, that they're all asking about the ownership. What does this mean for the Glazers' ownership in Manchester United? And personally, from your point of view, what do you think the, the future says?
1: Well, you'd like to think it's untenable, but it's the basis. Uh, this, this is the first time they've suffered a defeat against Manchester United fans in 16 years, and time will tell whether they cling on for, for a few more years, a few more months, whatever it may be. But it still will cost someone an awful lot of money to buy Manchester United. And the, the panacea is not the, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, who you know, intelligence reports. Um, confirmed, issued the, the murder of a journalist in, in 2018. I don't want to be covering Manchester United being owned by some Saudi Arabian overlord who's, frankly, a murderer. I think that's extremely unblastable that there are supporters out there, so-called supporters out there, who would welcome a Saudi takeover. It's just, it's, it's anathema to me. I mean, Manchester is the is the city that gave birth to Emeline. Cursed, you know, who's synonymous with the suffragette movement. I think in Saudi Arabia still three years ago, women weren't allowed to drive. Uh, it, we This has to be a watershed moment, not just for United, but for other football clubs in terms of ownership. It's time for the government to get involved. Uh, the government have announced this um, look into potential football reform. They've got to keep to their word on that. They've got to go all the way on it because it's time that, fans try to take back some control. You look at the German model where you know, the, the, the members, uh, you can't, these clubs cannot do anything without the say-so of their members. That needs to be implemented, and it needs to be implemented in England for years and years and years, but it hasn't been. And it's very difficult to implement it, given uh, it's just a case pretty much at the moment, if you pass this reasonable fit and proper test to be an owner of a football club in England, then and you've got the money, then come on. You know, come on in. You're, you're welcome. And the government are compromised somewhat by, well, not somewhat. They're they're massively compromised by their own dealings with Saudi Arabia as well. But that's just the way of the world. I think you know, there's hypocrisy at every turn in in, in government and in and in football as well. But sometimes you struggle to tell them apart, frankly. But. United fans, when they're allowed back inside Old Trafford, they've got to continue protesting against the Glazers. That probably the best, the most effective form of protest is to not go back inside Old Trafford. It's not to renew your season ticket. I know that will be a wrench for a lot of supporters. And it's easy for me to say, as a journalist who has the privilege of just going to every game without having to pay. But there was a time where and I still do, you know, when it was well before the pandemic paid to watch football games because I, I still love the thrill of it. I still love standing on a terrace. But the most effective form of protest is to vote with your feet, not go to games. There are thousands, tens of thousands of fans that are reaching to getting back inside a stadium and watch a game of football and enjoy the match day experience. I completely get that. And some just won't be able to um to, to not come back in because that's what they want to do they've it's been too long since they were last inside a football stadium and they want to obviously get back into their team again but that's the most effective form of protest frozen with your feet just don't go to the game uh and hit the glazers where it hurts the most which is their wallet
0: yeah exactly in a week where we've seen that money talks in football the, the one way to to Sort of get your own back and, and, and to have a real say on this football club is by hitting them where it hurts, and that is just the financial reason that's how United fans will be able to get their message across. And you know, we've seen in the last two days, we've seen how its stock prices rise after the European Super League was announced, and we've seen them plummet as well after the news that the talks ha- have collapsed. So, yeah, it's interesting. If you've got any more questions as well, do let us know in the chat. But the question I was going to ask Samuel, and you know, I guess what we've got now is we've seen how how much of a change fan protests can make in terms of the European Super League and fan protest will be key if those Champions League reforms, which were the lesser of two evils, are to be sort of vanquished as well. But Samuel, I guess it's an open-ended question, this one, and I guess you could take it many ways. But for you, what does the future hold for Manchester United after the last two days?
1: Uh, well, they'll, they'll continue in the Premier League, continue in the Europa League, which... Is is you know it's, was as planned really? Um, it didn't. I think there was the comment from the UEFA Exco member for Denmark the other day, saying that uh, clubs who were part of the breakaway um, and, and still in competition were were going to be thrown out. So that that can't happen now. That won't happen. And it's just a case of getting to the end of this season. But it's it's difficult because there's every chance still. I know fans will allow back inside stadiums after. May the seventeenth, and there might be a, a a test event at Old Trafford. Maybe the Fulham game on the weekend of fifteenth of May, so maybe fans can be back inside there. But it's, effectively, they can't really protest at the games at the forthcoming games this season. So it's it's going to be a going to be an interesting summer, not just. And I don't talk. I'm not talking about the the transfer side of things. I mean, it was. I did despair when I saw signing Mbappe was trending this morning because some fake Liverpool fans think that's a that's the way of John W that's the way for John W. Henry to atone for his greed. Um that's that's been the problem in football for a long, long time. If an owner or a chief executive transgresses so egregiously, if they just sign a big name player, then the fans are happy again. And you know, United have been pretty good at that whether it's Falcao coming in on deadline day or matter in January 24th in January 2020 or the four signings on deadline day in October you know fans have got to be wiser to that kind of stuff and not have the have, have the wall pulled over their eyes really that's that's happened far too often but you would like to think I mean I would I'm pretty confident saying that the Glazers won't be United for another 16 years. Not that that's much consolation. It's it's just there are so many nuances at play. The cost of uh, takeover of United, who the individual, who the group doing the doing the buying would be. I think you know the fact that Joel Glazer who really has just given the impression him and his siblings that they don't care what fans think the fact that they've actually done this shows that they can be beaten to fathom that again. I, I still think the most effective form of um, of, 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 vo- of one voice in their opposition to to the Glazers is to vote with your feet and, and not go to games. But the, people have been inside stadiums over the last year and It remains to be seen whether how that would unfold when fans are allowed back inside grounds and unfortunately with united there is always a demand for tickets and i suppose one of the reasons why they were in favor of this super league was that they thought that well if the guy or the lady who support the club for six years doesn't want the ticket then someone will have their ticket and that's just the way they are people the supporters are not supporters to the Glazers. They are customers, and they've always been customers. That email email that I was sent the other day, and I posted on Twitter about this fan who supported the club for over 60 years and mentioned his membership number because that's what he felt United, a number. He didn't feel like a supporter. And that kind of captures the feeling of a number of matchgoers who've been going to watch United for years or decades, however long it may be. So that that's all I can think of really in terms of an effective form of protest against the Glazers it's just to hit them where they're they're hurt the most which is their wallets but fan or fans who don't know how to appropriately behave inside a football stadium who are probably always going to fancy a trip to Old Trafford and really don't care about the cost of it
0: yeah exactly like you said Samuel it seems that you know if you're Angered by the European Super League. And if you really do want change at United, then there is a part you can play. The last few days have shown that, but it's also shown that money talks in football and the way to effectively make change, to push for change is by not giving them your money. And of course, United fans are then being punished not being allowed or choosing not to go watch their club and knowing that there is someone else who will more than likely happily take their place so it really is a difficult time at the moment for for the future of football there's so many uncertainties like you said but there are two things for certain that is the european super league has collapsed and ed woodward is going to quit as executive vice chairman as samuel says it's going to be a busy odd summer transfers or not for manchester united and thank you very much for joining us today on this special podcast and the facebook live samuel thank you very much as well for putting up with a internet issues and all that taking time out of your day as well to answer the questions and thank you very much as well for listening and for tuning in at home like always if you've not already please do subscribe to the Manchester is <laughs> yeah, Red podcast
1: not so. Apologies.
0: we come it's okay we come once or twice a week onto the uh, onto the podcast store and whatever so well, there'll be two new episodes we've already had one on Monday one today and there'll be one as well on Friday ahead of the game against Leeds so thank you very much thank you for all your messages sorry not being able to read all them out as well, but we'll see you again next time.